Craig Lyles loved the theater and the arts, but even more than that, he loved his family and friends. He had a large network which included his parents, aunts, uncles, cousins, and too many friends to even count. He struggled a bit growing up in Pontiac, Michigan, being black and gay. Sometimes he felt like a bit of an outsider, but everyone who knew him loved him. On January 21st, 2021, Craig was with his partner, Michael Butler Jr. That would be the last day anyone heard or saw from Craig Lyles. Michael had since been arrested for another crime, but he refuses to answer any questions about Craig's disappearance. Does Michael know more about the whereabouts of Craig? And most importantly, where is Craig Lyles? director in Pontiac now asking for the public's help after a very suspicious disappearance. 33-year-old Craig Lyles is known all throughout the Pontiac area for his commitment to the Friendship Missionary Baptist Church, where he's worked as choir director. We went looking, um, his apartment, and no Craig. And that's a, a mama's son. And anybody would want to know where a kid is at. Missing since January 21st in a case investigated by Waterford Police, Craig's disappearance has baffled the community and left family heartbroken. My wife is hysterical. She nightmares at night. She's lost 40 pounds. You know, she's even back to smoking cigarettes, and she don't do that. But Craig is not with us anymore, we understand, but we just need closure. Greg Lyles tells us after his son vanished from this Waterford apartment complex where he last lived, his boyfriend of two years, Michael Butler Jr., has refused to answer questions about his disappearance. His phone was at home. He'd never go anywhere without his glasses. His glasses was at home, and... That was it. The last person he was with was his partner, Mike Butler Jr. His car was at home, and the partner had it for five days after Craig went missing. And Craig don't go without his car. What happened? We, at, at this point, there's a, a ton of questions that we have for Michael, and we just we can't. He won't answer them. The search for Craig Lowes remains active as a group of volunteers looks for the missing 33-year-old. He was just a social butterfly, and he was a rounded love person. Craig has been missing since the 21st, the last time he was seen by family or friends. Craig wasn't um, answering his phone, inboxing people, hadn't been on social media. And it was those same family and friends who searched all over the Waterford Township area <laughs> looking for any sign or clue that could lead them to Craig. This is absolutely amazing. This just shows how many people he actually touched in the community. He kept our family together. He was always connected to us some type of way, whether it was through a text message, a phone call. We will be continuing on all through the week to search for Brother Craig until we find him. 
Hello, and welcome back to the Where Are They podcast. This episode comes to us from a listener, Julie. Thank you, Julie, for this case suggestion. This one grabbed my attention right away, and I hope it grabs all of yours as well. I have had quite a bit of case suggestions come in lately, all cases that I haven't heard of. Keep the suggestions coming. If you know of a case that needs more coverage, maybe in your town or maybe even a friend or family member, send me an email at canwefindthem at gmail.com. Also, make sure you're following us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all the places for case updates. We've recently had another huge case update in the case of Aaron Foster and Jeremy Bechtel. I covered their case back in May, and just last week, a water searcher found Aaron's car in the Calf Killer River. I know I've mentioned this before, but it still feels so surreal. I am working on a quick update episode, which should be up in a couple of days. If you are interested in our podcast merch, check out the link in our notes. Proceeds do benefit our charities, and we will be completely revamping our store at the end of this month. So if there is something you like, you have about two more weeks to go grab it. Last announcement, but not least, a huge thank you to this week's featured partner, Hunt a Killer. As we come into the colder weather months, Hunt a Killer is the perfect at-home game for those of us that love to put the pieces together and solve a mystery. This subscription box game features a different case each season and can be done with family, as a date night activity, girls night, or even something you can do totally on your own. Hunt a Killer is a murder mystery subscription box where a detective enlists your help in solving a murder. This detective sends you a box with letters, documents, clues, and evidence every month. With each box, you'll be able to eliminate a suspect and get one step closer to cracking the case. Evidence you receive can be autopsy reports, crime scene photographs, personal effects of characters involved in the story, newspaper articles, and more. Enter the world of Hunt a Killer in the newest season, Curtain Call, Totally immerse yourself in a cold case from the 1930s with consequences in the present day. Can you bring justice to the Cadence Theater? This is your opportunity to see what kind of detective you would be. Use our link in the show notes or post it on our social media for 20% off your first box. Now through the end of the year, you can use the code where are they to receive a discount on your order. So let's get into the case of Craig Lyles. In January 2021, Craig was 33 years old, working as a choir director at the Friendship Missionary Baptist Church in Pontiac, Michigan. Craig was also active in theater and very close to his family and friends. Everyone that knew him said he was always laughing and always trying to make people laugh and make them happy. They describe him as a social butterfly, someone who kept the family and friends together, the glue. He was always singing and encouraging others in the theater to let loose, have fun, and the talent would come along with it. 
Craig loved the stage so much, and he was an amazing vocalist. I tried to find some good singing clips, but I wasn't able to find any good audio quality that would transfer here, or ones where his voice could be isolated or heard clearly. I did find a quick little 20-second clip that I am going to play for you from one of his stage rehearsals. It's not perfect in terms of audio quality, at least the recording I have, but you can definitely tell this man has a set of pipes. Take a listen. Now, if Craig wasn't at choir practice, theater rehearsal, hanging with friends or family, he was at the gym. He also loved working out, and he went to a local gym often. One high school friend also tells the story about how supportive Craig was and really liked to help people. When she started her own food truck business, Craig always stopped by when he saw her out and about, saying that he was always happy to support a friend. Because of all of his activities, Craig was well-known locally and overall a very popular guy. He had been dating a man, Michael Butler Jr., for about two years. They lived at the River's Edge apartment complex in Waterford, which is just next door to Pontiac, Michigan. Waterford is a suburb that sits in between Detroit, Michigan, and Flint, Michigan. On January 21st, the family started trying to reach out to Craig, text him, send him messages, and nobody was hearing back. They also noticed that his social media went quiet. They tried for days to find him and reach him, and around January 26th, the family was finally able to enter Craig's apartment. Inside, they found his cell phone and his glasses, both are items he would never leave home without. They also learned that his partner, Mike, had been using Craig's car since January 21st, the last day that anyone else can confirm seeing or hearing from Craig. It was also noticed that Craig's social media activity stopped without any warning, and he was very, very active on social media, especially Facebook, and all posting and communicating stopped abruptly on January 21st. Everyone close to Craig, which includes a lot of people, knew something was very, very wrong. And the police were also worried, and they noted a few things about the apartment when they did search it. Although Craig's glasses and phone were there, there was almost no other sign of Craig or the fact that he had lived there. One investigator said it was almost as if he had been erased from the apartment altogether. They wanted to speak to Mike Butler Jr., and he ended up being arrested on an unrelated parole violation. His past crimes included burglary and a weapons charge, and Mike would end up going to prison. For some reason, however, he refused to answer any questions about the whereabouts of his partner, Craig Lyles. Law enforcement and the family did organize searches locally, and many, many people joined in, which the family has expressed such gratitude for. Honestly, in watching a few archived news reports, you can tell how distraught the family is over his disappearance. 
They were very obviously a close and loving family, and they miss Craig so much. This is one of the biggest reasons I wanted to cover his case. You can feel the emotion through their interviews. The case does seem to have had some local coverage, but this case just needs a huge push to not only be solved and figure out what happened to Craig, but to find him. Searches were conducted in and around the Waterford and Pontiac areas, and some specific areas searched were around the River's Edge apartment complex, the Pontiac Lake, and people also gathered to search and hold vigils at the Phoenix Center in Pontiac, Michigan. The search around the apartment complex did turn up some bloody boots that somebody found in a dumpster. The boots were taken in for testing. It's unknown what the results were from those boots. Some rumors have circled that those were Craig's boots, but at this point, anything regarding those boots is pure speculation and rumor. Specially trained search dogs were also brought in, but again, nothing was found, and the dogs found no trail to follow. The River's Edge apartment complex does look like a nice place. It has all the desired amenities, a clubhouse on site, a swimming pool, and it looks like most, if not all, apartments have balconies. It just makes me wonder if something happened to Craig there. Are there any witnesses that heard or saw something? It's hard, too, because the window of time when something might have happened to Craig is completely unknown. He stopped posting on social media on January 20th, 21st. And this is someone who posted multiple times a day. So could something have happened in the middle of the night, in the morning, in the broad daylight of the afternoon? And I also want to mention in this case, there are some details we might not know, as law enforcement has made it clear to the family that they don't want them releasing any findings to the public. So there very well may be some answers to our questions. However, we aren't privy to them, at least not yet. Now, the River's Edge Complex is 3.9 miles from a place called Pontiac Lake. You all know how I feel about bodies of water in missing person cases, especially in light of two of our cold cases being solved recently, Judith Charnier and just last week, Aaron Foster and Jeremy Bechtel. So I look at the map very closely, and there's many bodies of water in that area. A lot. A bit disheartening, actually, when I think about all of the searching that would need to take place to cover all of this. But for some reason, we know that searchers did specifically go search Pontiac Lake. Pontiac Lake is a water sport paradise lake. At least that's how the website describes it. And it covers... 640 acres running about 34 feet deep. It has picnic areas, a boat launch, a dog park, even a model airplane flying field. And it looks like a very popular place. But let's remember that at the time of Craig's disappearance in January, it would have been very cold. We're talking about Michigan. Looking at the weather map for January 21st of this year in that area, it was between 28 and 42 degrees Fahrenheit. The following few days after that, it would get even colder down into the teens. I also learned from the website that this past summer, Pontiac Lake was closed to the public due to high bacteria levels caused by wildlife. 
I do find that interesting, and I wonder if that played any role in stopping any searches that might have happened there, at least over the summer. So searches continue to happen all through March, but nothing is uncovered, nothing at all. The Phoenix Center in Pontiac is another spot people gather at for searches and vigils. This large complex has a large parking lot area, which makes it a good spot for groups to gather. And searches would keep happening for quite a while after Craig disappeared, even in bad weather. People were determined to get answers and find Craig. So many people love him. Groups of people would walk up and down streets and search in snowbanks. During this time, that area of Michigan had quite a bit of snow. Meanwhile, Mike Butler Jr. stayed incarcerated and also continued to refuse to speak. Some volunteers worked to get the attention of the Matthew Shepard Foundation. The Matthew Shepard Foundation mission statement is this. This comes directly from their website. We amplify the story of Matthew Shepard to inspire individuals, organizations, and communities to embrace the dignity and equality of all people. The Matthew Shepard Foundation does recognize and work with individuals and groups who are victims of hate crimes. I remember the Matthew Shepard story very well. And if you aren't familiar, here's the summary from their website. On October 7th, 1998, Matthew Shepard, a 21-year-old student at the University of Wyoming, was brutally attacked and tied to a fence in a field outside of Laramie, Wyoming, and left to die. On October 12th, Matt succumbed to his wounds in a hospital in Fort Collins, Colorado. In the aftermath of Matt's death, his parents, Judy and Dennis Shepard, started the Matthew Shepard Foundation to honor his life and aspirations. That crime was labeled a hate crime. If you are interested in more information on the Matthew Shepard Foundation, you can visit their website at matthewshepard.org, and I'll also link it in the show notes and on our social media pages as well. So could this be a case of a hate crime? I do have a couple of thoughts on that, but we'll get to that in a moment. So what are the theories in this case? Theory number one, foul play by a stranger. I believe everyone is leaning towards foul play here of some sort, but could it be a complete stranger? Perhaps this was a hate crime. Craig was said to be everyone's friend. In fact, he is described as someone who never met a stranger. So if he was indeed super friendly, did he approach someone who had ill intent for him because of his lifestyle? And if this is the case, where is the evidence trail that police and law enforcement can follow? As mentioned, there are a ton of bodies of water that might need to be searched, or there is always the possibility that he was taken from the area. What I keep coming back to, however, is the fact that his glasses and cell phone were found in his apartment, and according to his father, he never would go anywhere without his glasses or his phone. Police have been looking for witnesses, and volunteers have even submitted Craig's photo and information to the Ring doorbell app in hopes that someone somewhere saw something that might be helpful. Crimes by complete strangers is pretty rare, but it does happen. Hate crimes happen, too, as disheartening as that may be. So did Craig come across a stranger that committed a heinous crime against him? 
Theory number two. Let's talk about Michael Butler Jr. for a minute. There isn't much to learn about him online, so we really only know two things. Number one, he and Craig had been dating for two years. And number two, he had a criminal history and would eventually violate his parole and be put back in prison. A two-year relationship is pretty significant. They weren't a new couple. I did try and find some details on his criminal past, but learned only that he had some burglary charges and weapons charges. Now, I do think there are two possibilities where Mike Butler Jr. is concerned. Number one, he did something to Craig. This is an obvious thought, and I apologize if people out there are offended by this since he hasn't officially been named a suspect. But let's face it, the boyfriend, husband, partners, etc. are always looked at in these type of cases. And most importantly, the behavior of Mike after Craig went missing also makes me wonder. He never told anyone Craig was missing. He was using Craig's car. And he had almost virtually erased Craig from their apartment. And now he refuses to speak to investigators. All of this does not make Mike Butler look innocent. If Mike is guilty of something, we can likely rule out a hate crime, at least by definition of hate crime according to the law. This would then probably be some type of crime of passion, since they were a couple. Or the other possibility when it comes to Michael Butler Jr. He didn't do anything to Craig, but he knows something. Maybe just Maybe he is completely innocent of any wrongdoing, but he is scared. If someone or someone's hurt Craig, could Mike be afraid of them also? And that's why he isn't speaking. The fear could have also led him to not tell anyone he was missing. And I do think this is a possibility, especially if whatever happened to Craig was a hate crime. Craig was a gay black male and so was Mike. Is it possible that Mike is just afraid to speak up? In all fairness, there isn't any evidence pointing to him, or he likely would have been charged, or at least there isn't enough evidence. Either way, police do still consider him a person of interest. But at this point, law enforcement says they just want to speak with him and ask some questions to find out what he knows. And let's hope that he agrees to do that soon. Those are really the two main theories, but we can also consider that he might have left of his own accord. The reason I don't put much stock into that is that he was known for a lot of social media activity and just being super social to begin with. It seems very unlikely that he would walk away from his friends and his family that he was so close with. I guess you just never know, though. And I also keep coming back to the weather. Late January is freezing in Michigan, and the temperatures show that. The ground was frozen. Was the lake completely frozen? Can someone end up in a lake in January in Michigan if it's frozen over? Or how does one go about burying a body in frozen ground? I know it's possible, but for the regular person, it seems like it would be extremely difficult. It would also seem that there would need to be more than one person maybe to do that. I don't know, but the weather keeps me wondering. And no matter what happened to Craig, 
Where is he? So I'm curious what you all think about this case. What do you think happened to Craig Lyles? Had you heard of his case before? Craig Lyles hasn't been missing for a year quite yet. January 21st, 2022, if we go that far without answers, will mark the one-year anniversary of his disappearance. He's not yet listed in the Charlie Project database and won't be eligible to until that one-year mark. There is, however, a NamUs profile set up for him. There is also a $12,500 reward for anyone that has any information that leads law enforcement to Craig Lyles. The family worked tirelessly along with friends to raise money that would be used for a private investigator. They have since decided to use the funds as reward money for right now. They raised $10,000 and Crime Stoppers has contributed $2,500 as well, bringing the total up to $12,500. Craig is described as a black male, 5 foot 5 inches tall, weighing around 180 pounds, with brown hair and brown eyes. Anyone with any information is asked to contact the Waterford Township Police Department at 248 248- 618-6041. Anonymous tips can be submitted to 248-674-COPS. That's 248-674-COPS. Or via email at policetips at waterfordmi.gov. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Where Are They? and listening to Craig Lyle's story. It's a story that needs to get out there more. With all of the elements surrounding it, I'm surprised it hasn't hit national media, at least to some level. And a huge thank you again to our sponsor for this episode, Hunt a Killer. Hunt a Killer subscription boxes are great to do on your own with friends and family and would make a fantastic original Christmas gift this holiday season. Remember to use our code, where are they, on their website and receive a discount off your purchase. Thank you all again so much for tuning into Craig Lyle's story. We will be back again next week with another Unsolved Missing Persons episode. And until then, stay safe and hug your loved ones. Bye.